Good afternoon. I'm Ryan Huffman uh, with Kuzi Companies, and we're back for a, another episode of Innovations and Integrations. Uh, and today I'm really excited because we have uh, Andy on with Science on Call. And uh, Andy, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Great to see you. I'm Andy Freibogel. I'm actually the one of the co-founders and CEO of Science on Call. We're a tech support platform for restaurants. We reduce friction around technology for the teams within the restaurants. Um, we're Chicago-based, but we uh, have uh, stood up markets in New York, Philly, D.C., San Francisco, Los Angeles, um, everything from Michelin-starred restaurants to Popeyes to um, some of our favorite customers in the in some of these other markets as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so Andy, tell me a little bit about your background and like how you got started, and you know, let's walk through. Uh, your pre-science on call and where the uh, aha, aha or the watershed moment, if you will, and then how science call kind of evolved. Yeah, well, um, I think this probably starts in my in my teens when I had a, a punk rock band when I was in high school and we wanted to record our first demo and uh, we drew straws to see who's going to have to go get a job and be able to pay for recording time. And so I, I drew the short straw. I got a job as a fry cook. So I was dunking French fries for, uh, you know, my first job. And, um, you know, that was my first entree into to restaurants. But I, I worked in hospitality after that. I, I, I taught English in Japan. I moved back to the U.S. I got a job at a bookstore. Then I started uh, managing coffee shops. Um, and that's kind of where I got the bug. You know, every time you're in a hospitality environment, you've got 300 opportunities to win every day, regardless of what's going wrong. If you're providing great hospitality, if you're focused on the customer and if you're uh, dedicated to serving the best product, then you have an opportunity to win regardless of what's happening in their day. You know, what goes wrong with your cup of coffee? And so I was in specialty coffee for a while took a, a long detour through technology during which I, I, I learned the trade. And um, I started as a low voltage technician. I started on doing on-site work, uh, doing some computer uh, integration work and networking, and then moved into account management where I helped build a residential internet service provider and TV service uh, in Chicago. And so that was a big chunk of my career, but um, I really missed hospitality. And so when I had the opportunity to go to work for Intelligentsia Coffee in Chicago as the director of IT, I, I jumped at it and I did that for about five years. And that's where I really fell in love with really what happens within the four walls of the restaurant space. Um, the opportunity to open new shops, to evaluate new technologies, to roll out new systems, to replace old you know, legacy point of sale systems with cloud-based point of sale is where I really cut my teeth. And after five years of doing that, I saw a big opportunity out there. I said, you know, I'm at Intelligentsia Coffee. This is like a finishing school for people who are starting their own their own specialty coffee roaster retailers. And so uh, I, I took the leap. I gave my notice. I ran into one of my two current co-founders a week before my last day. Um, and that's Louisa, who's our COO. And Louisa was uh, just graduating from DePaul School of Business and the entrepreneurship program. And I said, hey, I understand you're graduating, but you're also pretty brilliant. Are you going to go get a big job? She's like, I don't want to work for a big company. I want to start a big company. 
And so Luis and I set off on our path at the end of 2014 with our first company, which was like a boutique IT consultancy. And we were knocking on doors. We were literally boots on the ground, but also going door to door saying, hey, do you need a new point of sale system? Do you need help with configuring guest Wi-Fi? Are there other technology challenges that you're facing that you would like our assistance with? And I mean, we sold to, to coffee shops, um, bookstores, shoe stores, record shops. We got to help open some and we really loved it. But we didn't really think of this as something scalable or impactful. We were only helping a couple businesses here and there. And so after about five years of doing that, we had started to build a, a pretty good customer base within hospitality specifically, like restaurants, bars, and things like that. And it was at that point we said, you know what? This is the space that we love. This is the space where we can deliver the most impact and uh, help other people, uh, you know, resolve the challenges that they're having with technology, let them focus on their guests and their food. And so it was at that point that we actually fired all of our non-restaurant customers and we made the determination that we were going to focus. And we did that with a lot of support. Um, Relish Works, which is the corporate innovation hub for Gordon Food Service, runs an accelerator program called the Food Foundry. And the Food Foundry kind of plucked us from obscurity and said, hey, we like what you're doing. We want to see if you can do this at scale. Can you do this for more restaurants? And so we hired our, our third co-founder, Ken, who's our CTO, and started building this platform that um, allowed us to uh, you know, provide a rapid response and rapid uh, resolution to all the technology issues that our restaurant customers were facing. And so it was in doing that that we um, found that we, we had really hit on something, that there wasn't really a service like ours, a single point of contact for uh, restaurant staff when they're having, you know, as soon as we started to go to market with that, we found that it resonated with people. And we, we, we brought on a lot of restaurants in our first year. I think we were serving about 80 uh, restaurant locations in our first year. But then what we realized is that the real magic occurred when we were playing within our ideal customer profile. And those are groups of like 10 to 50 units. They often have an internal IT person, but that person wants to be focused on innovation and strategy. They want to be focused on moving the ball, on growth, on implementing new systems. What they don't want to be focused on is getting calls, texts, emails all night, all, all weekend about, hey, our printer's not working, or hey, um, internet service is down at this location. We can't receive orders. And so it was then that we really hit our stride and started developing the platform that our customers know today, which is customers scan a QR code. Um, they're able to launch our web app. Through our web app, they can text us, call us, send an email, fill out a form, get the status on certain services like is this point of sale system experiencing an outage or um, is there an internet problem in this region and things like that? And that's what's allowing us to collect all this data. Um, we're platform agnostic, so we don't care what they use. You know, we've got some favorites, you know, on the aggregator side, we love things like Chowley, you know, on the, on the point of sale side, we love things like Toast and we're not resellers. We're not referral agents for those systems. It's just, we know what works because we support so many restaurants right now. Yeah. So you touched on a couple of things there. Uh, and I, your guys, I think that's why we hit it off last year at Mertech and, you know, we've seen each other at several trade shows this year and, um, and your guys' ethos is just very people centric. So, you know, everyone thinks that technology is the, uh, is replacing the human component of things. And it's, it's anything, but it's making, you know, life easier for those operators and for those people that are down at ground zero, you know, doing the fries, as you mentioned in your previous, uh, 
rolls or, you know, doing, making the burgers or things. So, you know, it's technology that's helping uh, ultimately deliver a better consumer experience as well. So everything's people centric. Tell me about, you know, how you guys, as you reach out to, to partners and kind of do this thing, because uh, it's very human focused and, you know, some of the interactions you've had, but tell me a little bit about, you know, uh, you know what your guys' approach is and then how you guys make, you know, set, set up partnerships and make friends. Yeah. Well, um, again, a lot of that is, is, is exactly what you touched on. It's being a human being, being present. I don't think I end a meeting uh, with a new person, whether it's a potential partner, restaurant customer, um, potential, you know, team member, something like that. I don't end any of those first introductions without asking a really simple thing, which is, is there anything else I can do to help you as a human being? I said, I don't, let's, let's put business aside. We're done with that for today. Is there anything else I can do to help you con- connect you with resources that are going to, you know, bring you more success, more happiness, solve a problem for you? That's what gets me excited. I wake up every day thinking like, Whose problems can I solve next? And I think when you uh, govern yourself with that ethos as a company, it's what allows you to bring out the best in not only your customers and yourselves and your team, but also in technology itself. Like we've gone to, you know, great, we've taken great strides to implement things like AI to automatically, you know, triage and, and, and tag and, and categorize and subcategorize in inbound trouble tickets. And it's because when we let machines do that with this massive data set that we've built over the last three years of of 45,000 trouble tickets or whatever that we've solved, when we let machine intelligence and natural language processing, these other technologies start to empower us as humans, that means we get to spend more time being human beings. It's like the same thing. And you probably see this on your side because when you're standing up new shops for people, you know, they're installing kiosks now. And, you know, I think at first people were like, oh, no, the robots are really going to take my job now. Like they're going to install a kiosk instead of me being a cash register or me being a host or a greeter or whatever. But in fact, there's a lot more you can do with a human being in hospitality than just take orders and punch in keys. Leave that work to the kiosk and elevate the teams that you have so they can scale, so they can 10x, so they can do a lot more, so they can, you know, elevate throughout their career and not just be stuck behind a cash register or a point of sale terminal or whatever. And it's the same way we look at that as our team. Like, yes, a lot of what we do now is human powered. It requires support agents who are dedicated, who are working 24-7 because restaurants are 24-7 business. I don't care if it's a single day part restaurant, there's still stuff happening around the clock that requires attention, requires intervention. But if we can continue to build out this tool set so that our team doesn't have to touch every ticket because we're resetting a password automatically, or we are restarting a wireless access point, you know, before it becomes a problem, things like that. If we can do that, then we can take these these brilliant and dedicated support agents that we, we all get to work with on our team and elevate them. Then they become customer success managers. You know, Then they become focused more on the human aspects of communication. And let me tell you, when you have time to do that, you learn a lot more. You learn about the other problems that you can solve. Because we're not, we're not stopping it like being a help desk for restaurants. It's as exciting as that can be. And there's a lot of opportunities to win every day when people are having problems and they're on the front line. 
In fact, I mean, what we're building is a restaurant operating system. We have the data that tells us when things are going to break. We have the data that tells us how to resolve that menu synchronization challenge more quickly. But more so, when we take the human beings that are solving the problems today and let AI empower them so the problems get solved more quickly without their interaction, then we get to spend more time with our customers. Then we get to hear their stories, their challenges, and ways that we can help them succeed bigger, you know, better and bigger. So let's talk about that. So I, I just love, you know, what can I do to help you as a human today? And I think that people don't always associate that with the technology. And, you know, I grew up in the grocery space. Uh, and so, you know, I was raised by a guy who said, you know, when a kid graduates high school, they should do two years in retail or in uh, the restaurant space, or they should be two years in the military. He didn't care which Amen. path you went. And you, you'll learn a lot. And I think that's why you get that, that empathetic and you can do that. And uh, you know, when you use technology to make people's day a little smoother, or they're not dealing with these variables, you're, you're trying to eliminate all these these outliers that can throw some of the experience off, and then ultimately has an effect on the, on the end user or the consumer. So, tell me a little bit about some of these data points. Like what kind of data points are you being requested by your partners? Like, what are they asking you? What kind of things are interesting to them today? Well, I have the least interesting job at Science on Call. So, as CEO, my job is like keep the lights on, attract great people. And, you know, articulate the vision so that everybody on my team understands exactly what it is we're building. I mean, actually, it's a really fun job, but it's but but it doesn't produce the most exciting results. It just allows me to get to work with great people. The people on my team who are doing the most exciting things, you know, first and foremost is probably Ken, our CTO. He's the one that's that has built this tool set that we have that allows us to solve problems quickly. And then. Louisa, who's our COO and my, my first co-founder, um, Louisa has always had this incredible rotating team. Like we work with interns a lot, always bet on the youth. They know more than we do and they're more tech savvy and they get there faster a lot of the time. And so yeah. that's why we, we love, you know, young people that want to come work with us. We get excited because that's an opportunity to build a career with somebody. Yeah. And, you know, I can say, hey, can you tell me what are the most you know, what are the five most common issues that our customers are communicating that they're having problems with? Like they know the stuff off the top of their head, but we've also built out our data set so we can search that quickly and say, ah, it's the following five. It's internet is going out, POS hardware, POS software, um, email reset, you know, like password resets or new account creation. And then, you know, add a new menu item to the POS or something like that, or onto their online ordering. Like they, they have the data at their fingertips. And so I usually know because, you know, we, we, we meet often enough that, that it's a constant source of discussion. Like we want to put our energy where the problems are because that's when we're, 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 we're having the most impact for the teams inside the restaurant as well as internal IT. You know, internal IT is a pretty thankless job. And a lot of times it's you're stuck at a desk waiting for a problem to occur that's going to require you to go on site. And it can be really nerve wracking, not knowing what's going to happen next during your day, even though, you know, you might be trying to uh, do this big email migration, or you might be trying to launch a new food costing software internally or something like that. And so that's why, in addition to this, the teams in the restaurants, the internal IT people are the other users of our platform. And they love us because 
We have uh, a fairly sophisticated help desk environment that gives them full visibility to every issue that occurs at every location within their organization. We can, we can make that very illustrative so they can see what the issues are. You know, we send out um, uh, reports to some of our, our customers every week that'll show, here's the efficiency. Here's the number of tickets that came in. Here's how quickly, you know, here's the average response time. Here's the average, you know, resolution time. We have all those metrics. They don't have to track that stuff anymore. You know, we become that database for them. In addition to that, though, we're providing them with other data because we sent out a survey after pretty much every interaction. And I read every single one of those surveys that comes back to see what's what was the score we got on solving that issue. What's our organizational score? What are the comments that the teams inside the restaurants, the shift leads, you know, the, the bar managers, everybody who's supported by us, I want to know what they're saying because that's what helps us build a product that's going to have the most impact for the the hospitality employee. So on those surveys, what's the uh, the most ridiculous or, or funniest thing you've got on response? I'm sure you've seen some pretty entertaining ones. I saw a pretty good one, which was um, somebody gave us a. It was either like you know these are scored from from zero to ten. Yeah. And uh, somebody texted us. And by the time we had texted that person back through the platform, I think they had already solved the issue, you know, and I think something was unplugged. You'd be amazed at the number of times in restaurants that fairly mission critical equipment, like whether it's, you know, it's it's, uh, uh, tablets for online ordering, things like that. A lot of those are going away due to some of the aggregators that have done a great job of taking care of this. but. you'd be surprised at the number of times that those things stop working because someone unplugged it so they could plug in their phone or their Bluetooth music player. That happens too. And so in this case, I think somebody unplugged a tablet, said the tablet wasn't working. By the time we got back to them, uh, they, they, they said, Oh, it's working fine now. And the response, they gave us a zero. They said, you didn't do anything. I just plugged it back in. Yeah, there you go. Right. Hey, I'll take that. If I had a, right. if once in a while I got to take it on the chin for a review, but knowing that yeah. some problem got solved instantly within a minute or two, that makes yeah. me just happy. We don't have to. We don't have to claim all the victories. Yeah. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, when we see like nines and tens come in, it's reflective of not necessarily us. We have high expectations of ourselves, but it's reflective of the rest of the universe. I think traditionally it companies are not very responsive not very human oriented yes it does feel like the first thing everybody asks is did you unplug it and plug it back in again and sometimes that fixes things but uh i would say we often find that um people are just blown away by the fact that you know we care that we're present that we yeah. respond quickly and that we're so focused on a resolution that our team gets frustrated when they've got tickets open in the system. They're like, I need to close these tickets. I need to confirm that this general manager's problem is solved or that this front of house, you know, staff member is able to access what they need to access or that this cook is able to punch in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that goes a long way with everybody. I mean, specifically in the tech space, it's, it's just acting and you may not get the answer that they want right away, but if you're engaged and you're, and you're trying to work towards that problem, 
Um, you know, a lot of times you get the calls, we get the calls, people are ready to throw their hands up and say, to hell with this, I'm, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. Um, and you're like, hey, let's figure out how to work to this. And, and it does not harp on the fact that, you know, Joe plugged his phone in or whatever it happens to be. Let's not, let's not talk about how we got here. Let's figure out how we're going to get back to where we need to be. And I think that's such a huge, you know, uh, feather in your cap. And I think it'll help, uh, you know, pay you some serious benefits in the long run. For sure. That's exciting. So, yeah. So look, tell me about like, what's the favorite, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What's your favorite part of your job? And I, I would assume it's very people centric, but uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about that. You know, it's once in a while, this company runs really well without me doing anything. And the reason that's exciting to me is because it tell it reminds me of what I always already need to be the truth, which I've had the blessing of surrounding myself with really talented, really committed people who understand, you know, what it takes to have an impact in the restaurant space, you know. And I think, uh, I mean, the things that get me out of bed in the morning are coffee, you know, former coffee guy here, um, probably a coffee person forever. Uh, I absolutely need to spend an hour on the treadmill. I barely even run. I just need to move. Yeah. And then it's it's then where I start to look for the opportunities. And I do I do look into our our ticketing system. I do look into, you know, everybody's calendar and see who's meeting with what. We have a daily stand-up channel every morning where now, you know, not only do I tell people, "Hey, this is where you're going to find me throughout the day. These are the things I'll be doing." Because I need I need to be transparent. I don't want anybody in my team to wonder like, how does that guy spend his time? Um, but I also, appreciate that. that's where I like to hit up the team with questions. And sometimes my questions are pretty cryptic. So, like for example, today um, I said, "Hey team, I've got two investor meetings. We're going to be working with uh, such and such brand for an onboarding call. We've we've got another meeting with uh, you know uh, a follow up with this, and then." Question, all caps. And today's question was micros or psychom? And then I let the team just riff on that, you know? And it's like, so what have I done? I've called out the names of two different point of sale solutions, you know, both of which we've seen, you know, present in our existing customer base. And I want there to be bell ringers like that because A, I want to make sure that I'm connecting with people and, you know, and that we're having a dialogue. But also, I want to benefit from their creativity and their experience. And there's a lot of things that they experience every day that I don't get to because I'm no longer on the front lines. I'm no longer, uh, you know, taking the phone calls necessarily. But so what gets me out of day, it gets me out of bed every day, I guess, is my team. But then also, the again, that opportunity to help, that opportunity to support, you know, lift somebody something up so it is better today than it, it thought it was going to be. There's a lot of opportunities to do that in any organization, I think. Yeah. Well, let's talk about pain points. I would assume as you become an extension of your partner's team, that we operate in a very similar facet where we want to be engaged. We want to know everything we can know and, and, and help us. Literally, it's like, hey, Andy's essentially another member of X, Y, or Z customer. So I, I would assume when you talk about your pain points, a lot of times those are done you know, through the transfer property. And it is your customers' pain points become your pain points. So talk about some of the, the learnings you've had uh, during your guys' history and kind of, you know, what's keeping you up today. Yeah, so that, that's a really good question. And you're right. Our fortunes are tied directly to the success of our customers. 
without um, innovative brands who are still growing in the face of all the disruption over the last couple of years, we're nothing and we're not, we're not useful without them. And so it's paying attention to the minute to minute pain points like printers going offline or internet going down or phone service not working or something like that. Those are the minute to minute ones, but the broad, but, but you have to see all both ends of the spectrum. You have to keep your eye. You have to talk to operators. You have to talk to your buyers. And for us, our buyers are typically CEOs, COOs of growing restaurant brands. And you have to create openings to, to learn from them. Like what, so the thing that keeps me up at night is that, uh, you know, no one's getting a break on rent despite, you know, massive disruption to their business. Um, no one's getting a break on food cost, you know, despite this massive disruption, the supply chain challenges and things like that. Food cost appears to be settling or leveling a little bit right now. But like every one of those problems is a problem for our customers. And therefore, it is a problem for us, whether or not we talk about that every day. It is my job to be aware of those things and to look for opportunities. But that's one of the beauties of, of what we get to do, which is we're platform agnostic. So we're not beholden to any single solution. Whether or not we might have some favorites, we don't sell anything, you know, so we just have to be aware of what works. And when I see an operator saying like, hey, we're closing two more shops because, you know, those locations aren't working out. And it's not all that uncommon. We see it in a lot of places because often they're opening three new locations in a new place. But when you see them experiencing those challenges is when you you look to yourself and say, you know, what am I seeing that's successful for the other operators we support? Because we support like 45 brands, about 306 restaurant locations total. And when you know something's succeeding for, you know, brand number three, you want brand number nine to know about it. Because A, they're not competing. Like restaurants don't really compete with one another. They're, they have a super solid sense of community. Um, I had the opportunity back in October to sit in a pub with, I think, six or seven operators. And each of them had an independent brand between like five and 20 locations. They're all growing, but they're all dealing with a lot of these challenges. Some of these folks had uh, locations like right next to each other, but they're not competing. They are sharing. They want each other to succeed. They want there to be a vibrant restaurant community. And in that spirit, when we see that things are working, we share that with other operators. We want to make sure that they're, you know, able to leverage all of the successes that their industry in general has had, you know. And I think that's one of the reasons why you and I met is because, you know, new restaurant openings are still handled in so many different ways. And a lot <laughs> of times it is like, it is barely a spreadsheet of the tasks that need to get scheduled, performed, tested, verified, activated before someone opens a new location. And yeah. so, you know, identifying resources like that, that makes my job so much easier because now when I have a customer that has that problem, says like, hey, we're opening two new shops in Los Angeles. Who do we use? Now I have somebody. And it doesn't right. make me any money, but it makes my customers succeed. And eventually the payoff will be there for me. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a great point. So 
you know, you you're, you get to see, you get a very similar seat to me where you get to see all these new technologies and evaluate things and, and make great friends and say, hey, you know, restaurant X, Y, and Z, meet Andy, meet Ryan, we help you solve these problems. What are some of the uh, micro and macro trends that you're currently seeing on a big scale? And talk about some of the technologies that are being used to to address some of those trends and, you know, enhance those trends and, and kind of what will get you excited. Yeah. So on the micro side, we do see a lot more exploration of streamlining the ordering experience by leveraging some of these amazing platforms that are out there to do that. So, you know, point of sale has almost all point of sale has some kind of native online ordering, but it's not all, it's not all great. And so in many instances, if your, your channels, you know, your customer facing channels include like, you know, Uber Eats, DoorDash, Ritual, you know, all those third party delivery and, and ordering apps. Well, you need to have uniformity so that your team is able to respond and prepare orders in a reasonable amount of time and have that order accuracy. And so just the just the the embrace of, of things like order aggregators um, is, is a big one. Some of the customer-facing kind of experiential stuff, um, and a few come to mind that are all good ones, Incentivio, um, Lunchbox, obviously amazing branding, uh, AppFront. These are all really solid solutions, and some are going to be great for one, some are going to be great for another. But they're giving restaurant operators the opportunity to really brand their experience, but provide all the operational efficiencies um, of, you know, kind of big iron, you know, and so it gives them the opportunity to, to engage with their customers in a really clean, professional way, reduce friction around the ordering process and make things easier for back of house because they see when an order comes in and it looks like it's supposed to, and they know which channel the customer came through. So they know whether should we be looking for an Uber Eats driver in the lobby, or is this customer going to come pick this up themselves? So the advancements in that area have been exciting. Kiosks, again, have been exciting. That's an opportunity to put a little power back in the customer's hands. And it's an opportunity to allow the human beings that used to be taking the orders to be a little more focused on the human interaction. That's what creates the experience. Otherwise, we wouldn't go into a restaurant. Even a QSR has an experience. They have a vibe. They've got music. They've got color. They've got lights. And, um, you know, any technology that enables the staff to be a little more present and human and engaging just feeds into that ambiance. I don't believe that you can't have an incredible experience within a quick service or fast casual restaurant. A lot of people think like, oh, well, I'm just going to McDonald's or I'm just going to this place. They're not even calculating whether or not they should expect a good experience. They're just getting their food and they're getting back in their car or they're going through the drive-thru. But I'm impressed by the QSRs and the fast casuals that have made that investment in creating a great guest experience, which I believe can happen. On the macro side, um, I think something that's pretty exciting and people really need to pay attention to are the number of plant-based concepts out there. And I'm a carnivore. I eat meat. And um, I love nothing more than like, you know, smoked brisket, things like that. However, I realize that presents a huge sustainability challenge to the planet. And so I really appreciate having the option to go to places like Plant Power Fast Food, Protein Bar and Kitchen, where I can eat real, fresh, um, 
healthy food. And it's not even my first concern about, is this better for me? It's more like I'm not lighting the universe on fire by, you know, eating yet another steak sandwich or whatever. So, yeah, you, you, it's funny you mentioned that. So when we talked to restaurant people and a client was the first one probably six months ago to, to point out how they evaluate new technology. And we were just kind of walking through that process. And, you know, you have the, I think there's really three phases. There's the front of the house, the back of the house, which, you know, a lot of times that's not very sexy at all. And then it's, it's a technology that's out customer facing, whether it's a kiosk, what it happens to be. Uh, and then you do up with the front of the house, whether it's point of sales, kitchen display systems, access points, things like that. Uh, and then you have the, the back of the house, which is the data rack and the, all the infrastructure and the bones of things. So, you know, you and I have had a lot of conversations about new restaurant openings and the single point of contact and how we operate. It's like, hey, it's, it's one team doing this. But we're seeing, you know, on, on a macro trend right now, we're seeing these uh, these old brands that have, you know, long established histories and everything that they're like, hey, we need to be at, active right now. So we're going back and it's really exciting for us because we know what the opportunity looks like. And we're being asked to do store refreshes all the time. You know, going in, we walk into a data room, you know, renowned brands, but they just, it's never been a top of priority until today where we're going to put a data rack in and put new cables, but we're setting in, you know, the arteries and the veins to be able to put new technology in and what the way it's built today you know, some of these kiosks can't run on, on Cat5 cables and things that even predate that in a lot of cases. Or they want to come in and say, hey, we want the latest and greatest from point of sales and kitchen display system to a kiosk to the front of the house. I mean, you're seeing things like food lockers and uh, robots. We had a part of our team go out last week and film themselves eating uh, ramen with this robot. And uh, so it's just crazy. It's so, it's so, you know, it's exciting. You, know, you talk about vegan trends and everything. What is like the most like, weird far out there things that you don't think uh would have you know 20 years ago when you're watching back to the future i guess it'd probably be 30 or 40 years ago but you know when you're watching back to the future what kind of stuff did you see today that you're like holy cow this is getting some traction um i i mean honestly i have to admit i haven't see i used to be a boot I, I used to be a field guy i used to have a tool bag you know before we launched science on call so i used to get to see a lot more than i get to see now but I don't get to see as much in person, but I'm pretty excited about robotics. Um, you know, the robotic busing stations and servers and stuff like that. Yeah, they look weird and they look clunky and some brands are saying, no, we're not going to do that. And stuff. But eventually that technology will get there. It will catch up. It will make sense and it will become commonplace. You know, robots will be commonplace. In the words of um, Amoga from Carbon Origins, who's building amazing food delivery robots. Um, but, you know, robotics is really interesting. I think sensing, like I think anything that can tell you when there's movement, when there's heat, when there's moisture and stuff like that. I think that that unlocks a lot of opportunities to streamline efficiencies, you know, grow the bottom line, but also um, increase comfort inside restaurants. But I think you hit the nail on the head with the comment about wiring, like, Everything is on the network at this point. Like it used to be, you either had Wi-Fi or you didn't. You either charged for it or you didn't. It had almost nothing to do with the actual um, business of the restaurant. It was about the ambiance of the restaurant. It was about, do they have guest Wi-Fi or not? But if you walk into uh, a sophisticated 
um, but still, you know, streamlined restaurant concept now, they probably have five wireless networks and they're almost all necessary. So once for the guests, you want to collect that email address. You want to be able to market them and notify them of new menu items and specials and things like that. Another's for the point of sale system. That has to be secure. It has to be isolated from the rest of the networks so that somebody can come to your table during brunch, take your order and have that fire in the kitchen immediately. Um, you need to have something for music. Have you ever eaten in a restaurant with no music? It's creepy. You know, like nobody wants to be in a quiet restaurant. And there are other systems that improve the experience, collect more data, allow the operator to run their business better that require connectivity. And then obviously, you know, behind the counter and in the kitchen and everything, you got to have hardwired everything. Like Wi-Fi isn't enough. And a lot of people use that phrase interchangeably. Like we get calls to say like, we get texts say our Wi-Fi is down. It's like, well, actually it's not your Wi-Fi. It's the whole internet is down. Right. But we don't, you know, we, we seek to empower people not to scold them. So, yeah. um, but uh, you know, it's, everything starts now with what's the network going to look like? When's that going to get installed? Because most of the systems that you're going to use in a restaurant right now aren't going to work until you have, you know, ubiquitous data connectivity throughout. Um, and, you know, I look at some of the services that are coming down the, the, the pike right now. Um, you mentioned food lockers. You know, Cargill has developed this incredible platform called Checked, uh, which is a really smart food locker system. Uh, that we've had the honor of supporting as well. Um, another solution that we see is our our, um, our computer vision in AI being applied to order accuracy. I guess that's not exciting. It's not like, hey, we're on a different planet right now. But it is, those are kind of the inches in between that we need in order to run successful businesses. Is like, man, if I could just not get three bad reviews because you know, uh, somebody didn't include the French fries or, or they, they sent me a Dr. Pepper when I wanted a Sprite or whatever. And so some of the platforms around um, improving kind of the finer elements of food service are the ones that I think are ultimately going to be really exciting. Yeah, that's a, that's uh, a lot of really interesting perspective there. Um, so as you start to look at, you know, different hardwares and different things you've seen out in the field, uh, what are some things that you're like, wow, um, I, I never thought of that before and, and kind of what uh, your, your perspective is on that. Well, there's some interesting things going on on the camera side. Like we're starting to see, you know, the surveillance side, because it's important to know who's in your restaurant, when they're there, what happened, when did somebody's purse disappear, whatever. All that stuff happens in every restaurant. It's nobody's fault, but you want to be able to have the data in order to respond to situations like that. And in that instance, video surveillance is, is a necessary, you know, component of that. And we're starting to see the disappearance of the, you know, the 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 DVR or the network video recorder. Yeah, like all this stuff is starting to move up to the cloud and starting to become very cost effective and high performing. That's really exciting, you know. Um, yeah. I think on the music side, uh, there are a lot of advancements that will occur that haven't occurred yet, but at this point. You know, it's pretty common for most restaurants to have a cloud-based, you know, music source, um, you know, some kind of control over, you know, the zones within the restaurant and things like that. Um, but then, you know, there's there's further out stuff. Like, I think beacons, you know, Bluetooth beacons 
had kind of a, a slow uh, or, or kind of false start, you know, maybe 10 years ago where they were starting to play around with them. But now between, you know, people, everybody has a mobile device for the most part. And what you can do with Wi-Fi to understand who's in your restaurant and what the traffic looks like. And can you use that to build predictive models around uh, when do you need to staff differently? When do you need to change your order for the amount of, you know, chicken patties you're going to get or the, you know, the amount of French fries you're going to drop in the fryer? Those things are all really exciting. I think it's the cumulative use of technology that creates something that's greater than the sum of its parts. Um, but, yeah. you know, I've been really excited about what we've seen on the digital display side. Um, you know, Zero In uh, does an amazing job with that. Been really excited with um, some of the uh, platforms that have been built around, uh, you know, food costing checklists, kind of, you know, the day-to-day -day management tasks and stuff. They're getting way smarter. Um, it's, it's the combination of all those things that make, that, that, that make for an exciting future, I think. So I want to bring this conversation kind of full circle here and, and go back to, to the science of call and, and you know, uh, kind of what you guys are working on and, and the value you provide. So can you go into in depth and kind of tell us about the little different levels of service that you're currently providing? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we offer a subscription-based service. And so that means that restaurant operators pay us a flat fee per location per month. And yes, there is a little bit of... Um, uh, I think on we at this point about the idea of like, do I have yet another, you know, monthly fee I have to pay? And there are a lot of them. However, if you look at the old model, it was, if I'm going to have a restaurant group, there are going to be technology problems. And so I'm going to need people to solve that. And so it used to be every time you added five or 10 restaurants, you had to hire another full-time person, 70K a year, they get benefits, they get um, you know, obviously salary, payroll taxes and all these other things. It's a cost and it doesn't really scale. It doesn't fuel the growth of the restaurant. So what we developed was a platform that uh, they can they can bite off in tears. They can call us just for hardware, tr software troubleshooting. And they've got access to a technology support platform that can solve those issues quickly for them. Our sec, you know, our standard tier actually includes things like menu edits and 86ing and things like that. So if they're, you know, they're out of chicken, they don't want people trying to buy that on the, all the third-party platforms because they're going to be unhappy. They're going to write a bad review and a bad review can cost you like thousands of dollars over time, depending on who's reading it and deciding not to come to the restaurant. So we offer that standard tier that includes menu edits and things like that. And then in our pro tier, we actually include um, a failover internet solution called Science Online. And so for, you know, it used to be uh, if a restaurant's internet service went down, you could still use the POS system in offline mode. And it was no big deal. You would just upload all those authorizations as soon as the internet connectivity was restored. Now, many of our customers are seeing 70, 80, almost 90% of their orders are coming in online. And if you're not connected to the outside world, you're not getting those orders. You're wondering why there are three different delivery drivers standing in the lobby waiting for orders you haven't seen in the kitchen yet. And you've got unhappy customers. You've got really unhappy staff, despite having done everything they can to create that great experience. And so that failover internet solution is the kind of the top tier that we include in order to prevent uh, tragedies like that. So which of those categories is the most popular for you and in the highest demand? 
Um, I would say increasingly we're seeing customers gravitate towards that pro package that includes failover internet service, but it includes everything else. So support for point of sale, internet, internal networking, third-party ordering delivery, menu edits. Can you, you know, create a new email address? Can you make this edit to our website? All those things that we do for our customers, that's becoming kind of common at this point. You know, we used to, we used to charge, well, next to nothing um, for this service. But what we realized is as you listen to restaurant customers, uh, they offer you a lot of opportunities to improve their experience and, and, and provide some more efficiencies to the operation. And so we've developed our service around that. And so it's a very all-encompassing product um, that allows any restaurant group to plug in this platform, get their team rapid response, rapid resolution to all of the most common problems affecting them in the restaurant. And it is for a fraction of the cost of what it would take to add a person, let alone three people, which is what you actually need to fill out a whole restaurant schedule. You can't do that with one person anymore. And so for growing brands, we found that we're actually the best solution for them. Yeah. So that, that's, you said a lot of interesting things there. And so as you, um, you look at these things and obviously you're playing in a very competitive space uh, and, you know, but you, you bring, you have a different energy, uh, which I totally dig. And, and the way you project yourself is, is the, uh, the impression I get from your entire team and, and kind of how you guys are, you know, making friends and making and forming partnerships. So what, what about it, uh, about you and your team is separating you amongst the competition and other players in the space? Well, I'll, I'll let you in on a dirty little secret. And it's very hard to explain this because like we're a venture-backed company. It's very hard to explain this to prospective investors because every company that's pitching is supposed to have a, a competitive landscape slide that says like, you know, here's the most expensive and most responsive. We're in this corner. And then here's yeah. the most proprietary and here's the cheapest. Someone else in this corner. We're the only subscription-based platform agnostic tech support platform for restaurants out there. There's nobody else out there that speaks restaurant, works restaurant hours, doesn't care who your point of sale system is, but is willing to build the internal, you know, uh, competency and proficiency to provide, you know, top tier support to your, you, you know, your staff. And so, you know, to date, I guess the the competition that we face out there would be, yeah, we just want to add another expensive IT person who's going to work 40 hours a week and never respond to their email. You know, like that's not very hard to compete with. You know, we work with IT leaders. So all of our customers have somebody internally who is incredibly tech savvy and driven and forward thinking. But we allow them to be forward thinking because we're taking the the tier one and tier two issues off their plate. And so if there's another kind of competition out there, there might be like, they're managed service providers that, again, they don't understand restaurants. All they're going to tell you is, you know, no, you can't load software on your laptop. And yes, your internet is either up or down. That's all they can do. But what we do is take a holistic 360 degree view of the restaurant tech stack and make sure that there are rapid resolutions available for any issue that comes up. And based on the 45,000 times that we have solved people's problems and put more money back in their pocket and reduce friction around technology, we know what those problems are. We know it better than anybody. There's some others out there that say like, well, we're restaurant technology partners. It's like, no, you're a payments company. You're trying to sell payments into this restaurant. And once they sign the deal and once they're up and running and once you see those residuals coming through from the payment processing, guess what? You're kind of hard to get a hold of. 
We don't do it that way because we don't have anything to sell. We just want to help. Yeah, no, that, that's great. I think that, you know, lead with I want to help. And whether it's at the personal level or the professional level, I think you're going to uh, do great uh, that way. Um, it's Andy, I've really enjoyed this conversation and, and look forward to continuing to, to build with you guys and partner with you guys uh, across the board. Is there anything you'd want to close with as we kind of wrap this thing up? You know, I would just, first of all, thank you for the time. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about this stuff. I I, I yeah, don't get the opportunity you. enough, but we're just excited about a world in which restaurant operators are able to grow their business from, you know, the, the ground up, you know, and it starts with, you know, the concept. It starts with the menu. It starts with the team. But then you got the brick and mortar location and it's, you know, it's it's companies like yours that are actually paving the way for us to have something to do. And you're actually solving a bigger problem, I think, than you realize, because, um, you know, it used to be like we used to be a boots on the ground company, you know, like five years ago or six years ago before we became science on call. I was excited to jump in my car with my tool bag on a Friday night because, hey, this pizzeria is offline and they need me to help them. That excited me. But what we've realized over time is leave the actual installation implementation to the professionals like yourself. And we're going to focus on solving everything we can remotely. Because when we went into the pandemic, I think we solved 70% of issues remotely and about 30% of issues required someone going on site. Now we solve about 99.6% of issues remotely. And we have partners like you that we can go to when uh you know the the the, the remaining 0.6%. So yeah. it really it takes a village it takes everybody doing their best to make this work. Restaurants yeah. are the toughest industry but they're also the most rewarding industry to be connected to and to work with every day. No this has been great. We appreciate you and look forward to uh, crossing paths with you on multiple times this year and probably uh throwing back a few surveys together. Yeah, fantastic. Looking forward to it. All right, thank you. Good to see you. All right. Thanks so much, Ryan.